Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. We're going to be using it for our text this morning. One of the, if not the most famous, one of the most famous parables uh, from Jesus uh, found in Luke 15. I want to thank uh, Brandy for the uh, the uh, graphic on the uh, the design on the front of your updates, and you'll see it on the screen here uh, for Aha. We're talking about Aha today and what that means, and uh, in light of our, our our text today. But if you will notice on the screen, uh, you have a pull chain. With the first A, and then on the far right, the small A, you have the bulb. You know, that's what aha is, right? You know, the light bulb comes on. And so we're going to talk about aha. Aha, I don't know if you know this or not, is an actual word. Uh, it is in the dictionary. And we're going to find out and discover what, the, what, that, meaning, uh, what that means uh, in our text today. So look on the screen with me, and we'll, we'll define aha. Aha is, back up one. Oh, forward, one more. There we go. It is defined as a sudden, sudden. That's the key word. Sudden understanding, a sudden recognition, or a sudden resolution. That's the def- definition for aha. I know all of you have had aha moments in your life where in, in, you know, the light bulb does come on, you actually think, whoa. How come I've not seen this before? Whoa, I've finally been able to do this, you know. And I, I finally see this. I've, I've missed this. Somehow, how have I missed this for so long? I've been blinded. I've overlooked this. And aha, you know, I know all of us have had those moments in our lives. I had an aha moment months ago with this. <laughs> These are really important. Now, some of you who are young and laughing and smiling, your day's coming. Your day's coming where you will need these to see, okay? And so I had an aha moment when I couldn't read. I could no longer see what I was looking at. And I had to have an aha moment and go buy some glasses, okay? And so aha moments come in all kinds of different shapes, different forms in our lives and after studying scripture, I've seen tons and tons of aha moments throughout God's word. And in fact, I've seen and heard tons and tons of aha stories over my years of ministry in the local church. Many of them. And I've come to the belief that if one of these aha ingredients is left out, aha does not occur, does not happen. And I've identified three things that I that I've noticed, you know, throughout Scripture that is that is that's present in all the aha stories that I found, and I want to share those with you this morning. They form the acronym AHA, and so we're going to. I think I think these things are uh, the way I've laid these out is going to be something easy for you to remember and to take home with you today. Uh, some months ago, I read the story of Rose Crawford. As I start telling you the story of Rose Crawford, you may remember it. She was uh, born blind, and she was blind for over 50 years. And some months ago, she had a surgery to cure her blindness, to fix her blindness. Can you imagine being blind and not be able to see over 50 years, over 50 years? And she has a surgery, and she sees things she's never saw before, you know, green grass, the blue sky. On and on and on of things that you know we take for granted. Those of us who can, you know, we can see and we have awesome vision, and and we just take those things for granted. And she had those aha moments, one after the other, one after the other, because her vision was now corrected, and she could see. You know, again, I've heard all tons of all kinds of aha stories over the years. Moments like. For instance, uh, folks who come to church for the first time in years and, and they're at the service and they understand or see something they've missed. 
and it happens. Or maybe somebody who's, who's here every Sunday or goes to church every Sunday and just for some reason or another, a particular Sunday, the, the light bulb comes on and they have an aha moment. And those happen all the time. You, you see, aha happens when God's Word, God's Word and the Holy Spirit working together, working together as one, colliding with our lives where we find ourselves. Aha happens. Those things, those things create aha. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul says to the, the church there at Ephesus, he writes and says and, and asks God, he prays, God, I pray that the eyes of these will be open. So that is my prayer today, that our eyes will be open today and that we will see and that we will understand. And so that's my prayer this morning. So if any of you here are lost, my prayer is today that your eyes will be open and you will be found. My prayer is today, if you are here and you are blind, not physically, but spiritually, that you'll be able to see before you leave today. My prayer is that if you're here today and you're asleep, that God will wake you up. That's my prayer. So let's look at some, let's look at some verses about aha. The first ingredient for aha, and there's three ingredients, is a sudden awakening. A sudden awakening. Now, those of you who cook, enjoy cooking, and if you have a recipe on, on your three by five card or in your recipe book, and you see, oh, there's only three ingredients to this. If you leave out one of the three, is it not gonna be not good? Not good at all, okay? So, just like a three ingredient recipe, to make a, uh, a type of food. Each one of these are important for aha to exist. So we have here the story of the prodigal son. It begins in Luke 15, uh, verse 11. If you look at, the, at your screen or in your, in your Bible, if you're looking in your Bible, the first two words it says, Jesus continued. Well, what's Jesus been doing before now? That's, that's what you need to... You folks, you, 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 I hope you know this and understand. When you read God's word, and words mean things, you do know that. Why, why does it say Jesus continued? Well, what, what happened before? Well, what happened before is up until, up until verse 11, he's already told two other parables. Okay? Verses 1 through 10, he's told two other parables. Here's the third one. Here we go. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. The prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son is, again, if not the most famous parable, it's one of the most famous parables that Jesus told in his ministry. And it is one of the clearest examples, in my opinion, probably the clearest example of aha in scripture. There are different examples, and I will share with some of those as we move along. In these verses right here, verses 11 through 19, is a, the, a, the great, a great, rather, a starting point for, for aha to happen. Jesus says here in these verses that you have a younger son. He leaves his dad, okay, and goes to a distant country. In telling the parable, you need to understand a couple things. The father represents God in the story. 
okay? The distant country represents any area away from God. So any area away from God represents the distant country. The Father represents God. It's two things that you need to bear in mind as we go through our story. So a distant country is any area of our lives where we live apart from God. So this younger son, he's away from the Father. He is away from everything that he's known in his life up to that point. He goes from the familiar to the unfamiliar. He goes from everything provided to where he finds himself in our story to being unprovided. Two very different contrasts in his life here in just a very few short verses. Did you notice that how his life started out in the distant country? Party. Party. The Bible says wild living. Wild living. Life away from the Father in the distant country. Wild living. We have no idea how long the younger son spent in this condition in wild living. We have no idea. The Bible does not say, well, his money lasted two weeks and it ran out. It doesn't say that. Okay? I want you to notice and I want you to hear that the young, younger son did not find himself in the position that he was in, number one, because he ran out of money. No. He did not find himself in the position he found himself in because there was a famine in the land. No. He was in the position he was in because he was away from the Father in a distant country. That is why he is where he is. That is why his condition is what it is. So, as I was reading this story, I began to think and wonder, well, how did, was something surely along the line is he was, his money kept going down and, and down and surely he recognized that, you know, some, hey, I, I don't have as much as I did have and surely I'm going to, surely he thought, this is going to run out. I can't keep doing this. It's going to end sometime. No, it didn't happen. It, it didn't happen. Something had to happen for the, for the light to come on, for the aha to take place, for the aha to take place. There had to be a, a sudden awakening. He finally realized, and we'll see that here in just a moment, that life spent away from the Father will ultimately fail. And you need to know that this morning. Life spent away from God, the Father, will ultimately fail. It's going to happen. You can mark it down. You can take it to the bank. It will happen. I promise. Tons and tons and tons of examples in God's word. And tons and tons of folks walking around today can testify to that. Time spent away from the Father will ultimately fail. Now, how many of you use your phone to wake yourself up in the mornings? I take my glasses off to see your hands. That's sad. <laughs> a lot of you do. Okay? A lot of you do. I do not. I do not. There's a reason for that, and I will share in just a moment. Now, I do not know what kind of alarm that you have on your phone that wakes you up. Let me give you just uh, two or three examples of some of these on my phone, and th- I'll tell you why I would not use these. Okay? Let's see. <laughs> that ain't waking me up. If that wakes me up, I'll wake up mad. Okay? So I'm not going to use that. All right? And a lot, of, a lot of you, when you do wake up, you wake up mad. Especially if you're a teenager. <laughs> you wake up mad because you don't want to get up. Or even your 20s. <laughs> okay? Shut up. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. One that I know that I will never say it. Let's see. Oh my gosh. If you wake up to something like that, you had a bad dream. Okay? 
You are angry at the world. Okay? You imagine that. Mm, not me. How about this one? This makes me want to bob my head. I'll wake up bobbing my head. No. No. No, no. Okay? I got a nice little beat to it, don't it? That's pretty good. Some of us can wake up to that. If I hear that and I'm asleep, I'm thinking, God, was I in a dentist chair? That's the kind of music you hear before the dentist messes you up. Okay? Now, one more, and I cannot resist. Please forgive me. This is probably what will be on my ringtone, not to wake me up, but to answer my phone in the springtime. A turkey! <laughs> Don't you love it? <laughs> okay. Now, Daryl uses the old-fashioned alarm clock to wake him up, and this is why. For Daryl to turn off his alarm clock, Daryl has to physically get up. Physically get up and turn that sucker off. I can't go, oh, 10 more minutes. Oh, 10 more minutes. I got to get up. Once I'm up, I'm good. Don't talk to me for 10 minutes, but I'm good. Okay? My point is a sudden awakening. A lot of us need a sudden awakening, and some of us need to hear a very loud alarm. A very loud alarm. And for some... If you are in a distant country away from the Father, it's going to take an alarm. You know what I've discovered about alarms? That the effectiveness of the alarm is in direct correlation to how bad you want to hear it. How bad you want to hear it. How bad you want to get up. Or how much you really you really need to hear that. That determines how effective it is. So I, in reading this passage of Scripture, I thought to myself, how bad does it have to get for the son, for this younger son, to hear the alarm? Did you see how bad? It did not happen when he ran out of money. Nope. It did not happen on the morning after partying all night with, with prostitutes and getting drunk. That ain't when it happened. So how, how bad did it have to get? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. So if you're here this morning, how bad does it have to get? How bad does it have to get before the alarm goes off for you? If you're here today and you're a husband, how bad does it have to get before you understand that you're not being the man that your wife needs you to be in the relationship? If you're a teenager here today, will it take the alarm of waiting on a pregnancy test to see if you've went too far? If you're here today and you're a college student, Will it take the alarm of seeing your test scores before you understand that you've got to change life at college? How how long is it going to take? How how long how 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 loud does the alarm have to be before we hear it? You know, a lot of times before we will pay attention to an alarm, there's there's often denial. And even though you know life's falling apart all around us, we live in denial. We live in denial, and we pretend that everything's okay when everything's not okay. And there's simple, three simple ways, really quickly, uh, that denial manifests itself. Number one, there's simple denial. We deny the reality of something unpleasant altogether. We just deny it doesn't exist. Uh, everything seems to be uh, okay, but on the dashboard. We see the blinking light, but we just, oh, I don't see that. It's, it's, 
don't pay no attention to that. I just deny it's even happening. Or there's minimization. We admit that the reality of an unpleasant fact, but we deny its seriousness. You know, you see the blinking light. You hear the alarm. But I'm sure it's not really that bad. It can't be that bad. It's going to be okay. It's not that serious. Or, number three, projection. We admit the reality of something, of an unpleasant fact and its seriousness, but we deny, and this is the key, responsibility. Responsibility. You see the blinking light, you know it's serious, but you say, oh, I can't do anything about it now. It's been going on for six months. <laughs> Living in denial. We, we, we do that. We're good at that. Living in denial. So eventually, an alarm sounds to wake you up. What was the alarm for the, boy, the young son? What was the alarm for the young son? He says in verse 17 that he came to his senses. He came to his senses. The alarm went off, and it got his attention. So I, want, I need to ask you this morning, what's it going to take for you to hear the alarm? What's it going to take for you to wake up in your life? Is it going to take a famine? Is it going to take losing your job? Is it going to take uh, separation from your spouse? Is it going to take divorce? Is it going to take an addiction? What's it going to take before you wake up? How bad does the famine have to be before the light comes on? What's it going to take? You see, in order for there to be a ha, there has to be a sudden awakening. And in order for there to be a sudden awakening, we cannot deny the sound of the alarm waking us up. One thing I've discovered about a sudden awakenings is that we usually see something or we hear something that we've never seen before. And sometimes it's something that's been right in front of us all along and we just, we just, we just hadn't seen it. And, and when the awakening happens, it, it usually typically falls in two categories. Number one, it's a painful recognition. It's a painful recognition. And this happens when we recognize the seriousness of our decisions and our choices. And we've refused to see it, but suddenly it hits you. And guess what? It hits you hard. And it hurts. And we don't want to see it. There's pain involved. Or the second one is that there's a startling realization. Startling realization. This is when we realize that something we've never noticed before and it changes things. It changes things in about, about us. For example, when will, we, when will you recognize that you're yelling and screaming at your child and what it's doing to their heart? When are you going to recognize that? How bad does it have to get? When will you recognize that you have sacrificed your family for your career? What's it going to take for the alarm to go off? When will you recognize that it is not your spouse, but your own arrogance and pride that is the problem? We want to keep hitting the snooze button. We don't want to hear the alarm. After living apart, living a life apart from God, we all need a sudden awakening. In order to truly experience aha, we have to be awakened to those parts of our lives that are spent away from the Father, the distant country. We have to recognize those, recognize those things. So there has to be a sudden awakening. Number two ingredient for aha is brutal honesty brutal honesty the second ingredient of aha is brutal honesty and we tell the truth about ourselves see aha doesn't happen if there's just an awareness you, hey I see this problem and you don't admit it you got, you got to admit that there's a problem and, but there also must be repentance there also must be repentance because you know, it's, that's where we speak the hard truth about what we've done, what we've not done. That's the brutal honesty. 
you know, we don't want to be honest, do we? Being honest is hard. It is really hard. I seen a show one time, and uh, they they followed this couple in to this motel room, and uh, they were going to show. Uh, I can't remember if they were selling something or the exact circumstances around it. Anyway, they walked into this motel room. Is that night, And they took a black light. And they didn't turn on any lights in the room. They had this black light. And the black light showed up all the germs in the room. And the lady freaked out. Turn it off. Turn it off. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. Oh, no. It can't be this. I want another room. I thought, another room? Why not another motel? She didn't want to see. Uh, she didn't want to be honest. The brutal honesty of where her and her husband were getting ready to spend the night was full of germs. Full of germs. And so I pray that these next moments that we're getting ready to share, that you will be honest about your life and not deny reality. In the prodigal, in the parable of the prodigal son, he is brutally honest about three different things. Three different things. Number one is this. He was honest about his circumstances. He was honest about his circumstances. How many of you are honest about your circumstances? In verse 17 is the verse that tells us how honest he was. He says in the last part of verse 17, Here I am starving to death. Here I am starving to death. He doesn't lie to himself, but he acknowledges the reality of his circumstances. He's speaking to himself about himself because there's no one else there. The Bible does not mention anyone else around him in this setting, but he's there by himself. And he says, I'm starving to death. Life used to be like this. I was with the Father. But now I'm here in this situation, and I did this, and I've done this. I, I experienced this, and I've... But now... I'm starving to death. He, is, he was brutally honest about his condition. You know what I've discovered? That it's hard to be honest when reality is a mess, right? It's really hard. It's really hard. Second Samuel 12 tells a story, another aha story, that is not in, that will not be on the screen. I want to read these verses to you really quickly. And you'll recognize the story as I move along with it. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. In other words, that lamb ate at their table. Okay? Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan, here we go. Aha moment. David, Nathan said to David, you are the man. He was confronted with the brutal honesty of his life, David was. You are the man. You are the one who's done this. You are the one who has committed this great sin. Until we are aware of our sin, we cannot be awakened for our need for a Savior. A sudden awakening must lead to repentance. And until you get to the point where you can look around and say, Here I am starving to death. Until you can get to where you know your need and your honest with yourself aha will not cannot happen the second thing he was honest about was his responsibility his responsibility in Luke 15 verse 18 
he begins to rehearse what he's going to say to the Father. He says, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's what he's going to tell his dad when he goes back. He's, he's brutally honest in admitting that he sinned both against God and against his father. You know, we, we often admit, uh, we will admit that we're wrong, but it, most, uh, many of us will not admit that we're wrong with both. In other words, God, I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. We won't tell our spouse. I've sinned against you. I know I hurt you. Please forgive me. We won't tell our child. God, please forgive me for screaming and yelling at my child and making them feel like dirt. But you won't say to your child, please forgive me. We need to accept responsibility. The young son was accepted and he was honest about his responsibility of what he had done. You know, there's something really powerful about Three words that are found in this story. I have sinned. Those three words are very freeing, very uh, liberating. I have sinned. And I believe that up until that point, the younger son had not recognized uh, his wrong. If we're honest about our sin, and we, rec- we will recognize that we have both sinned against God and someone else. And so Ahav requires that we be honest with ourselves, with God, and with others. Number three, he's honest about what he deserves. He's honest about what he deserves. Verse 19, at the end of, his, of what he was going to say to his dad when he, when he went back, he was going to say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. He understood what was going to happen. He understood what he was now deserving. He understood that there was going to be consequences for what he had done. Uh, I want to remind you or inform you either way of what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages, 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 wages. That's payment. That's what you're owed of sin is death. Uh, that's what you and I deserve. Uh, you do know that, don't you? You and I deserve death uh, apart from Jesus. But through God's grace, through the giving of, of Christ, we have salvation. What we deserve is eternal separation from God. What this young son deserved was separation from God. Who's God? God is the Father in this story. That's what he deserved. He made his choice. His choice was take his part of the inheritance, move away. That was his choice. He deserved to stay away from the Father. That's what he deserved. You and I do not deserve salvation. And so I believe until we humble our hearts, we humble ourselves and we get our pride out of the way and acknowledge, we admit, we admit to God what we deserve. And what God offers are two different things. Two totally different things. We deserve death. God gives life. Two totally different things. Obadiah verse 3 says this. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You know pride is is very ugly. God hates pride. Pride. So the Holy Spirit may be working in you right now to open your eyes. I pray that he is. I I pray that the Holy Spirit right now is is moving in your heart and in your life and you're beginning to have an aha moment. I pray that that is happening. But pride, listen, listen to me. Pride is fighting tooth and nail right now with the Holy Spirit and some of you. Satan is fighting tooth and nail with God right now. Oh, it's okay. If you can last a few more minutes, you get out of here, it'll be cool. That's Satan. What's God saying? Are you being honest? 
I want you to close your eyes and bow your head and we're not finished. I just want to, the reason I'm asking you to do that is so you can focus on some of the some questions I want to ask and you can ask yourself these questions and don't answer out loud, of course. But I, I do want you to be honest with these questions. Did you spend more time on, this week on Facebook or in prayer? When is the last time you told someone I love you? How specifically have you helped someone in need in the last month? If you can put a name right there, that'd be really good. When is the last time you said to someone, I was wrong, please forgive me? Who needs to hear those words from you today? What's on your DVR at home? What's on your computer's history? When is the last time you prayed with your spouse, with your children? When was the last time your adult children heard you praying on their behalf? Can you name two missionaries that you're praying for right now? By name. When was the last time you sat with an open Bible? What's the last Bible verse you memorized? Could you tell me right now if I were to ask you? Did you spend more money this month on eating out or on advancing the kingdom of God? How long has it been since you've cried over your sin? And who beside God knows about your secret sin? Is God trying to tell you something this morning? You see, you're not here by accident. I know that, and so does God. You're here for a reason. You may look up. Right here is where aha stalls out for lots of people. They wake up. They're honest with themselves. That's it. Stop. Don't continue. For example, let's say that I can't get in a pair of 30-inch waist blue jeans anymore because I can't. I'm being honest. I'm being brutally honest. It hurts to say that. I can't do that anymore. So there comes a day that I can't get in my 30-inch blue jeans no more. That's my sudden awakening. So I, I recognize that. I'm brutally honest. I can't do this no more. What am I, you know, so do I keep trying to get in my 30-inch blue jeans or do I take action and go by 32s? I do 32s. I go by 32s. I take action. See my point? I can't get in the jeans. I'm honest about it. I take action. That's what aha is. That's the third ingredient. Brutal honesty. Excuse me. Immediate action. Immediate action is the third ingredient. Immediate action. Aha doesn't happen without this. Let's look at verse 20. You know what's happened up to this point in the story. He recognizes his condition. The alarm goes off. I'm starving to death. I'm honest with myself. Here's the action. So he got up and went to his father. You see that it does not say, okay, I'll stay here two more weeks. Maybe this guy I'm working for, feeding these pigs, he's going to give me a raise and I'll be able to force some food. No, doesn't say that. Well, maybe I can get a friend of mine or maybe this other guy who's over here slopping the, you know, these other pigs or feeding the chickens or doing the, helping with the cows or whatever. I can get him to help me and maybe he'll me, give me some of his food and I will no longer be starving to death. No. So he got up. Immediate action. Aha needs immediate action to be aha. So he got up. Without verse 20, 
verses 11 through 19 are a waste of time. A waste of time. They should not have even been put in the scripture without verse 20. You see, everything that Jesus is told about the prodigal son leads to this point. He got up. He had to take action. He had to move to change his condition. So the question for you and me, you, excuse me, you and I, our question today is this. When are we going to get up? When are we going to have some action? Look at verse 17. We're going to go back. You see the connection here? He came to his senses, so he got up. Yes, there, there is a verse 18, and there is a verse 19 before verse 20. I know that. But it's a continuation of the thought. He came to his senses. I'm starving to death. So he got up. It's a continuation. There's a connection here. Verse 20 does not happen. If, excuse me. If verse 20 does not happen, verse 17 is irrelevant. You know what's sad? Admission time. Right here is where Daryl lives a lot. And if you'll be brutally honest with, you, with yourself, with God, it's where you live too. The alarm goes off. You recognize it. You're honest with yourself. Hey, there's a problem. Well, we don't do nothing. Ah, uh, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Sometimes we think things are really complicated. Daryl, you just don't understand what all is happening here, over here, and you just don't understand who all is involved and all of this. And you know what I do understand? Most complicated messes can usually be solved with a simple solution. I've discovered that. Uh, um, right here's a perfect example. He got up. He got up. He got up and went to the Father. Let me give you some examples. A woman comes to church, and she has been out of church for a long time, and life in a distant country has taken its toll. She looks back, and there is many regrets and pain about the past, and there is not much hope for the future. She knows she needs help, and she says, I know I need some help. I recognize that. And something within her tells her the help she needs is found in Jesus. I don't know what the rest of her story would be, and she may be here today. But I hope the, I hope the end of her story will be she got up. Or when are you going to get up and say to a friend, I've been keeping it a secret, but I have a drinking problem and I need help. Things are spinning out of control. Or when are you going to get up and walk forward at the end of the service and say, you know what? I've been thinking about this decision for a long time, but now, now's the time. When are you going to get up? When is verse 20 going to be a part of your story? When is verse 20 going to be a part of my story? Aha will not happen unless there's action. So why do we delay? Why do we procrastinate? Why do we put things off? How many of you are procrastinators? Be honest with me. You're in church. Jesus sees you. All right. Thank you for your honesty. Jesus still loves you. Okay, thank God, amen. <laughs> we love hitting that snooze button. Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. We procrastinate. Ten more minutes. You know, this is one of Satan's favorite tactics is procrastination. See, Satan doesn't mind that you're awake. He doesn't mind that at all. He doesn't mind that you hear the alarm. Doesn't mind it at all. Satan does not even mind that you're honest with yourself. He don't, he's cool with that honesty, man. But he is really upset when you get up, when you take action. He doesn't want to see you get up. He, want, does, he wants you to keep things as they are. And there's three reasons, real quickly, why I think we procrastinate. Number one, we want to put off the pain. You know, one of the hardest things in life to do is ask forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. That's one of the hardest things in life to do. You just don't want to say it. It's hard. It's hard to say. So we want to put it off. We want to put the pain off. Number two, we want to prolong the pleasure. No doubt, the young prodigal son was having a great time in the distant country for a period of time. 
wild living, partying it up. Sin was really fun. Great. But get this. Sin will always leave you in a pig pen, in a mess. That's where you're going to end up. Mark it down. It's happening. Number three, we want to plan it to perfection. In other ways, in other words, you think just because the mess you find yourself in, the distant country you're in, nobody knows how you know, all this stuff's got to line up, all the stars have got to line up, and all these different people are involved in this mess. And again, I've said it earlier, it, it's just usually a simple solution. And a lot of times it's those three words. Excuse me. It's saying, please forgive me. That's usually, that's usually it. So what action do you need to take? What phone call do you need to make today? What friend do you need to unfriend on Facebook? Yeah, it might be some of them people you need to get off of Facebook that you're friends with. You know why I can say that? <laughs> I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> so if you go home today, look up Daryl Trippett on Facebook, you ain't finding me, man. I ain't on that. So there might be some people you need to unfriend on Facebook. What conversation do you need to have? I told you there's lots of great stories in the Bible about aha. One of, one, another one of my favorites is the story of Zacchaeus. All of you who grew up in church, you know the song. Zacchaeus was a... I'm not going to sing because I can't sing. Okay. Well, you know the story about Zacchaeus. If you don't know, I'm going to tell you really quickly. Is that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And... Uh, he would collect the taxes for the Romans. He would give the Romans what they wanted, and he would pocket the rest. That's how he got wealthy. Okay? Well, somebody just texted me. Zacchaeus, life was great for Zacchaeus. He's rich. And, but he had an encounter. Jesus comes by. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, so he was up in a sycamore tree. And Jesus comes by. He says, yo, man. Come on down. We're not going to McDonald's. We're not going to Wendy's. We're going to your house for supper. Okay? And so Zacchaeus comes down, prepares the meal. They eat together. He's confronted with his sin. He's confronted with his sin. Look what happens. But Zacchaeus stood up. There it is again. He stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, when? Here and now. He does not say, all right, Jesus, give me two more weeks of being dishonest and I accept my retirement fund and then I'll do this. No. He says, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus, immediate action. He took immediate action. I want to point out couple more verses to you. 2 Corinthians 6 2 says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 3 15 says today, not tomorrow, not next week, today, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The Holy Spirit, if he is speaking to you today, he means today. The Holy Spirit will never utter the word later. You know that? I'll do it later. Do it next week when there's not so many people here. I'll do it in your car. Holy Spirit never says later. The Holy Spirit says now, now, today. Zacchaeus said, here and now. The young son said, the young son uh, stood up, went to the father. Immediate action. Immediate action. So that's the story of AHA. That's the story of AHA. The only thing left is how we're going to see how the Father responds. I love this part. You need to understand that in the setting when Jesus told this in the first century, that his audience heard so far something that they really threw them off, really threw them off. You see, number one, 
is very, it was very disrespectful for the young son to ask for his part of the inheritance. That was very disrespectful to the father in that day and time. And number two, up to this point in the story, the people there knew what was going to happen to the young son when he got home. There's going to be some tough love dished out here. He's going to get what he deserves. You heard it. You heard the, uh, what the young son, son said to himself. Make me one as your, as your hired servants. I do not deserve to be called one of your sons. And so the people were getting ready to be thrown for a loop here. Let's look at the father's love. Verse 20. The son. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Okay, let me stop right here before we move on. When it says kissed, it's not one kiss. Okay? It's many kisses. It's like, like that type of kiss to his son, who was once lost, who is now found, who once was in a distant country, is now home. The son said to him, Father, here's, our, here's the speech that this young son had rehearsed and had put together to say to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, did you notice what the father did here? He did not say, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. He immediately, immediately tells the servants, quick, bring the best rope and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. The people hearing this story were waiting to hear about the anger of the daddy, of the father. They were waiting to hear this. Daddy's on the front porch. <laughs> this is what they heard. The daddy was looking and waiting on the son, not with crossed arms, but with palms up, ready to serve and to love and to welcome back. The people hearing this, they were blown away. Because in that day and time, the opposite was true of what Jesus was telling happened. Completely the opposite. And that's why we see the Father's love here. The Son knew what He deserved, but the, the Father gave grace. <laughs> gave grace and extravagant love when the Son returned. It says top of the screen but while he was a long way off the father saw him this morning the father sees you and even though you may find yourself in a distant country he's waiting he's waiting on you you do not have to clean up your act before you get to the father you want to know why you can't clean up your act before you get to the father that's an impossibility there's nothing you can do to improve or change your standing to the Father. Nothing. <coughs> nothing at all. He ran to his son. God longs and God waits to welcome you back from the distant land, from the distant country. For some of you this morning, that may have been your aha that God the Father is waiting on you. God wants and waits for us to come home. And he runs to us when we do. That changes everything. Thank God, amen? But that's not the end of the story. I cannot finish without talking about one other person. And that's the older brother. We see the older son's goodness in these last verses. We've got to talk about him because he is the reason this whole story exists, and I want to show you that in a minute. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back and safe, back safe and sound. 
The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You see the love of the father? <laughs> right here. The love of the father is with the son who's in the house already. Also. Also. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, I can just hear his, his tone, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we, have, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. I like the way Tim Keller describes this story right here. The bad son, which was the son who left, the younger son, he was lost in his badness. The older son, the good son, was lost in his goodness. Do you see what the older son said? Dad. Verse number 29. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving. Okay, look what I have done. And then he goes on to say, saving for you. Look what I have not, and never disobeyed your orders, what I have not done. He was lost in his goodness. He thought he was perfect. He was the best son in the world because he did these two things. No, <laughs> he was still lost, still lost. The older brother does not see it. He does not have, has not had an aha moment. There's never been an awakening. There's never any honesty. And he just does not see that he's lost. You see, there's two stories right here that, of aha that need to be told. There's some of you in this room right now that you need aha because you're in a distant country. The rest of you may be here today and you need aha and you're in the Father's house. Okay? You're in desperate need of aha. The story of the prodigal son was not told by Jesus for the purpose of communicating the story of the younger son. How do you know that? Well, we got to go back up to the first part of Luke 15. Let's look at these first two verses. Now the tax collectors and the sinners, quotation mark sinners, the bad people, were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees is who this story's for. The Pharisees were the good son already in the house but still lost. Remember when I first started, I said Jesus had told two parables up before we hear this one. The previous two parables were for the tax collectors and the sinners. This parable is for the people who think they got it all together. The good people in the house. <laughs> wow. So, are you missing aha today? It is possible to be lost, even if you're in the Father's house. You may have a religious resume that may be really impressive, but if you're not careful, you can miss aha. There's a couple, couple, three clues I know really quickly. Number one, if you have a refusal or disinclination to celebrate others, aha, you may need aha yourself. What I mean by that? Listen, if it does not jack you up, excites you to no end for someone who's lost to be found, you need aha. If it does not excite you for someone who was blind to now see, you need aha. If it does not 
make you so happy and joyful for someone who meets Jesus for the first time. If that does not crank your wagon, something's wrong, folks. Something's wrong. You need aha. We who are Christ followers, we should be the, the servant going and getting the robe and putting it on the one who's been found. Following right behind the Father. That's who we should be. And you want to know why? <laughs> because you and I need to be ever mindful of what God has done for us. Where we were. What God brought us out of. The distant country he brought us from to himself. How we were once blind, but now see. How we were once dead, but are now alive. How we were once lost, but are now found. You and I need to never, ever forget that. You see the contrast? The older son said, I have not done this, Father. I've slayed for you. I've never disobeyed you. But do you hear what the younger son said? I am not worthy to be called your son. That is, should be my attitude. That should be your attitude. I am not worthy to be called your son. I am not worthy of your salvation. I deserve eternal separation. The second one is this. You have confidence in your goodness instead of the Father's grace. You have confidence in your goodness instead of the Father's grace. Where do you find your confidence at? You and I need to find our confidence in what Jesus did on the cross. Nothing else. Nothing, nothing, nothing else. Not your regular weekly attendance at day three church. Not, not how much you put in the offering box. Not how much you serve. None of that. Your confidence needs to be found in who you are in Jesus. That's it. And the third one is this. Maybe a sign that you need, aha, you're a whiner. <laughs> you're a whiner. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were whining about these sinners. These religious, uh, these uh, uh, tax collectors and sinners. Whining about that. I hope you never whine about what God's doing. I want to close with another great story of Aha. Found in 2 Kings verse, chapter 6, verse, verses 18 to 17. We're not going to look at the whole passage there, just a couple of verses. Let me set the context for you. Elisha, God's prophet, was in trouble. And he had a servant with him, one man, one servant, just him and Elisha. And they were surrounded. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? He's, he's talking to Elisha. The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So my prayer for you this morning and I, my prayer for myself this morning is that the Lord would open our eyes. Open our eyes. That God would show us that he's here right now. Join me in prayer. Lord, I pray for the woman who's here today. Lord, that you would open her eyes that even though her husband has left, that she is not alone. Open her eyes so that she will see that you are right there. You're right by her side and that you will never leave her. Lord, I pray and that you would open his eyes so that he may see that a life lived to impress others and glorify himself is leading to nothing. 
Lord, I pray that you open her eyes to see that she that the well-decorated and well-kept house is a poor substitute for a home full of your spirit, peace, and joy. Lord, I pray that you open his eyes. That he can see the single mom who lives down the street. Who has no one to show her son how to throw a baseball. Lord, I pray that you open our eyes so that we may see our enemy is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of the evil one. Lord, I pray that you open our eyes that we may see the hungry and the hurting living around our church. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes that we may see the desperate, our desperate need for your power, for your mercy, and for your grace. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to our sin that separates you from us. That you would open our eyes to our pride that keeps us from you. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes that we would wake up. God, that you would bring aha in this place. Wake us up, God. Fortune Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.